Now we give a very warm welcome to everybody to public worship here today, both to those who are in uh, the building here and to those who are joining with us say online. Now before we begin, I know that the intimations have appeared on the screen, but um, you'll notice that uh, instead of having a prayer meeting here on Wednesday evening, um, we've been invited to um, join with the Ferentorsh congregation, Muriel McLeod from Stornoway who works in Cambodia, will speak there and I do know that some of you know her in this congregation and indeed support her. But if anybody wants a lift to that meeting, and we would encourage uh, people to go along to the meeting, if anybody wants a lift to that meeting, please let me know. Now let's begin our worship today by singing to God's praise in Psalm 103. It's page 369 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of the song. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord, and all that in me is be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God. And not forgetful be of all his gracious benefits he hath bestowed on thee. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 103. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord. join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, as we sing these songs, help us to ponder the truths that are contained within them. May we remind ourselves that what we have been singing is part of your holy 
Scripture-inspired, inerrant Word. And it does give us great hope. You are the God who forgives sin, the song tells us. You are the God who will prevent us from going down into eternal death. You are the God who satisfies all our needs and even in our earthly pilgrimage. Just as the eagle renews its strength, so you restore your people. And if it wasn't for that, we would make shipwreck of everything. We remember those who are in our midst this day, who are struggling with hard things to bear. People who are at the end of their tether and who are tempted at times to throw the towel in. But we pray that we would remember that your word in this matter is that in this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We pray that we would remember that the refining process that creates the gold at the end of the day is exceedingly painful at times. But you are the master at your work. You never begin it without bringing it to fruition. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that faith is a gift of God. We have nothing to boast of. Nothing. We have nothing to woo you into our presence with this day. And it's not even that we're neutral. We are here with mountains of sin and provocation. Even on this very day. But may we remember this. That the covenant that has been made between fallen sinners and God is a covenant that has an accommodation for dealing with sin. O Lord our God, we thank you for many blessings this day. We thank you for us being able to be here. We thank you for this one day in seven where we lay aside the pressures and stresses and strains of of workaday lives and we can come apart. But even this place, even this sanctuary can be a war zone where the enemy of our souls is invading and seeking to separate and seeking to destroy but we cry heavenwards Lord from the depths to thee I cry my voice Lord do thou hear and the reply from heaven is that there is plenteous redemption it's not meager it's not limited it's broad and it's expansive may we remember that this day We remember the troubled spots of the world this day where war has torn societies apart. And we think of Ukraine amongst others. We think we have things to complain about, but we look around and we realize that uh, we are very well off. We thank you for the family circles you have given us. We pray, O Lord that uh, we will all be together in the great beyond. We thank you for the sound of little voices in our midst. Bless them. Bless born and unborn. We pray that in a day and age when from their youngest years the indoctrination is being hammered home at them, that you would remember us and you would help us And you would remind us that it's righteousness alone that exalts. So we pray that you would come in amongst us. And that you would indeed do us good. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now it's lovely to see so many children here today. And... um, the sermon today, I know you'll be going to Sunday school and whatnot, but the sermon today is going to be on, on the wise men who came to visit Jesus when he was uh, around the time of his birth. Now, as you know, uh, last week I spent the week in Edinburgh. They were down trying to, to teach me, I think. Some people call it reprogramming. I'm not terribly sure, but uh, I had to go to Edinburgh. And, uh, you know... The road between Inverness and Perth is just over a hundred miles. 
I shouldn't really complain about this, but I find it quite boring. Um, that stretch of road, I mean, sometimes if you're on dual currency, you can go at 70 miles an hour. But if you get stuck behind a big lorry and it's only going at 35, 40 miles an hour on the single carriageway, it can make it a long and tiresome uh, journey. But it would be far longer if I had to walk that distance. Now the wise men, we don't really know where they came from exactly, but some people have thought that they have come from the area that we know of today as either Iraq or Iran. Now to just get an idea of how far they travelled, the capital city of Iraq, Baghdad, is 650 miles away from Bethlehem. The capital of Iran is Tehran, and it's just under 1,200 miles away from Bethlehem. So if it was around the Baghdad area, and remember the ancient city of Babylon, the site we think is just south of where Baghdad is today in, in, in Iraq, that would be travelling from Inverness to Perth around six times and you're walking or you're on the back of an animal, that's a long, long journey. If it was from around the Tehran area, it's around 12 times the journey from Inverness to Perth. That's a long, long journey. And that's only one way. They've got to get home as well. I think, and it looks as if it is around that area of the world uh, that, they, that they came from, although we're just told it was from, from the east, Let's assume this, they travelled a long, long distance. I don't know how far you've travelled to come to, to church today. But hopefully what we've come to do today is to do exactly the same as the wise men did all these years ago. Because we read in the bit of the Bible we're going to be reading today is that they came to worship. They came to worship this baby and you think now I thought it was only God that we worshipped but that's the amazing thing about Jesus not just human he's God as well great mystery in that but that's, that's the truth and they came they were eager they put in an awful lot of effort they wanted to go to worship this Jesus and that's exactly what they did and I hope and pray that today despite all our problems and all our worries and all our anxieties that we too want to worship this Jesus he's no longer a babe he's a man he's in heaven he's been there for two, over 2,000 uh, around 2,000 years and, and uh, we are here to worship him because he is the saviour of sinners now let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's in Psalm 145. It's the second version of the song and it's on page 444 of the Psalter. And it's at the beginning of the song. O Lord, Thou art my God and King. Thee will I magnify and praise. I will Thee bless and gladly sing unto Thy holy name always. Each day I rise, I will thee bless, and praise thy name time without end. Much to be praised, and great God is. His greatness none can comprehend. We'll sing verses 1 to 8 of Psalm 145. O Lord, thou art my God and King.
Now let's read God's word as we find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and we'll read at the beginning of the uh, chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt (coughs) and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that uh, he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted. Because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. And may God bless to us that uh, reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we bow this day before you. And we realize that when you came to this planet you confronted the ugliness of sin in a marked way we realize that from the word go there was evilness in this world to such an extent that it wanted to eliminate you and in its endeavor to eliminate 
It wiped out many young children, causing unspeakable heartache to so many. And yet, as we have been reading this area of scripture, nothing out of kilter. You prophesied about these things hundreds of years before they took place. No wonder the song that we have been singing talks of us not being able to comprehend everything about you. But we thank you for what we have understood. And we pray that we would be in your words seeking diligently to increase our knowledge. Because it's not something automatic but you have commanded us to search the scriptures daily. And we pray that we would do that so that we would be armed in this warfare that we are involved in. So that we know how to tackle not just the enemy who is the devil but the world out there and indeed our own depravity within. So that we can take on the world, the flesh and the devil. And we ask that you would come in amongst us this day. And that you would uh, give us ears to hear and give us minds to be attentive on your word so that we might glean from it. So that we, by using this means of grace, might be made stronger and built up in our faith. Remember John Tallach, who will be with us hopefully this evening. Enable him to preach with the liberty that you and you alone can give to men. And wherever your church is gathered across the globe this day, we ask that you'd be in the midst to bless. So be with us, we pray, and help us. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue in the same song, Psalm 145, second verse, and, uh, page 444 of the Psalter, and it's at verse 9. Good. And to all men is the Lord, or all his works his mercy is. Thy works all praise to thee afford, thy saints, O Lord, thy name shall bless. The glory of thy kingdom show shall they and of thy power tell, that so men's sons as deeds may know his kingdom's grace that doth excel. Verses 9 to 18 of Psalm 145. Good unto all men is the Lord.
let's turn to the passage we've read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and we'll read at the beginning of the chapter. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of Scripture. There are three questions we want to address today. First of all, these wise men, who were they? The second question is, where did they come from? And the third one is, what did they do? Now, obviously, we can't cover everything. But let's look at that first question, who were uh, they? Now, as I mentioned in my prayer, uh, there are things going on in this area of Scripture that we've just been reading about Jesus having to flee to Egypt about the slaughter of the innocents as Herod who was bent on destroying anyone who might be a threat to his rule and power and um, indeed the fact that Jesus would come the saviour would have an association with, um, with Nazareth all these things go back hundreds and hundreds of years when the prophets Micah and Jeremiah and indeed other prophets spoke about these things and you think what, is, what on earth is going on here? And of course what is going on here is there is a sovereign God who created this vast universe and who created each and every one of us. Now here's an absolutely mind-boggling truth. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen in an hour's time. But it is all known to God. There are no surprises in the mind of a God. And because of that, he can speak of events. He can reveal to his prophets. And remember what a prophet was. A prophet was given information from God. And by and by, that prophet had to pass on that information to the people. Now, very often, uh, God would speak to the prophet about things out there in the future. But not always. Not always. Sometimes there was no foretelling. And, and so I remember our Hebrew professor when I was a student, the late John L. Mackay, and he, was, he, he pressed this point that a prophet was a foreteller, not simply a foreteller. Very often there was foretelling in it, but he was to take what God had given and pass it on. And you know, there is a sense in which in New Testament times when God has completed his revelation to the human race and we have it in written form that we are all prophets. What I mean by that is this. We have been given information and there is a fallen, dark, depraved, ugly world out there and we are part of that fallen, dark, depraved, ugly world and what they need is they need the message of the eternal God. And the challenge is to ask ourselves how we are getting on with passing on this, this message of salvation uh, to, to, lost, to lost sinners. And you know, we live in a day and age where people just, they, they just don't want to know what the contents of the Bible are. They've written it off in their minds anyway. And that's no great surprise. That's no great surprise. Because we've had this for, for, for centuries now. Uh, an attempt to undermine and to destroy the veracity and the truthfulness of this book and this revelation. And it has been to a certain extent successful. But it hasn't, been, it hasn't eradicated it. 
The most popular book across the globe today is the Word of God. It is the Bible. But there's all kind of criticisms come the way of it. It's full of contradiction and it's full of myth and it's full of fable. Well, these things do need to be, to be challenged. And you know, for a long time, this very passage of uh, Scripture that speaks about Jesus, you know, he's from Bethlehem. No, no, he's not from Bethlehem. He's from Nazareth. No, no, he's not from Nazareth. He's from Egypt. Well, he can't be from all these places, can he? And now we look back and we realize, yes, he can. Yes, he can. But these wise men, who were they? Now, we often talk of the three wise men. But we are not told how many men there were. I think the three wise men has come from the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. These were the three gifts that they brought. But there could have been a lot more than three wise men. Maybe there were three. We simply uh, don't know. And you know it's very, very important for us. When we are dealing with God's word to read it closely. And to take from it what is within it. And to be able to differentiate between what is there as historic truth. And what has been added on over the centuries. For example, these three men have turned into three kings. And they've got their names. Melchior, Caspar, Belfazer. And one was from India and one was from Egypt. And I can't remember where the other was meant to be from. But there are different views even on that as well. And we have to be able to decipher between what is historic truth and what is an add-on. And that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, with the Christmas story because it's not just the three kings that have become add-ons to the Christmas story you know that there are many other add-ons that go with Christmas and it's difficult sometimes to navigate your way around it all but what we must do is we must know what God has revealed to us and we must garner from uh, that revelation that he has given uh, to us I mean, the very first words of the Bible are, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that history or is it not? Absolutely, that is history. That is a record of historic fact. Now, you will go to the myths and the fables, for example, if you go to Babylonian um, cosmology and... and, um, there's this idea that there's this great battle between Marduk and Tiamat and uh, Marduk slays Tiamat and uh, out of the inners that come out of Tiamat this universe is formed. Nobody is saying that's history. Everyone is saying that's myth, that's fable, that's legend. But it's amazing how much currency these fables and these legends have have commanded down through the years and the generations. But I suppose, I suppose there is an inbuilt aversion to the truth simply because of the fallenness of, uh, of the human race. And we must be uh, alert uh, to that. Now there are many suggestions as to as to as to who they were you know in uh, in Mesopotamia which is basically made up of two words middle Potamus is a river so in Mesopotamia the land between the rivers the Tigris and the Euphrates there, there was a great deal of over the centuries there was a great deal of astronomy done now let's remember this that astronomy was basically the study of the planets, of the stars in the heavens, and it's good and it's wholesome as we explore this universe that God has given aid to us. Now there is a world of difference between astronomy and astrology. You, it's hard to pick up a magazine or a newspaper nowadays without your horoscope being in it. And that whole idea is this, that the movement of these planets somehow influences events in our lives 
in this world as we go through it. My advice as far as astrology and as, as far as horoscopes uh, are concerned is stay well away from them because it's not the truth. It simply isn't the truth. It's not good. It's not wholesome. It's evil. But astronomy is a different thing altogether. And you know, we travel on aeroplanes and we travel on ships today. And these captains and pilots, they, they revert to the use of, of, of radar, high, highly technical pieces of, of equipment. And I don't know the first thing about them. But there was a day and age when there was none of that. You know, we've all, we're all either wearing a watch or have, have a, have a, have a, can get the time on our phones. But there was a time when ships at the sea had to look up into the sky to see where the sun was to work out what time of day it was. And not only did they look up into the sky to find out what time of day it was, they had to look up into the starry skies at night and they would work out from where the planets and the stars were, where they were on the face of this uh, globe. And so from Mesopotamia there was a great deal of this kind of investigation and we could call it uh, science um, as well. And there are those who have said yes these men were into astronomy. We're not actually told that. They may have been. And what was this star? Again, we have to be very, very careful. There's all kinds of suggestions. It was Jupiter. It was the lining up of various planets. There's all kinds of ideas out there. Let's not get bogged down in speculation. But let's remember this. The God who can open up the Red Sea for his people to cross over dry shod is the God who can do whatever he wishes with the creation that he has created. And whatever went on here, the revelation given to these people was such that it involved this, what we call in the English here, a star. But let's remember this, God has limited what he has revealed to us about these things. But these men were Magi or Magoi, uh, and in the English, they were indeed wise men. Who were they? We have very little knowledge of who they were. We just have to say they were uh, wise men. And where then, my second question, did they come uh, from? Well, again, it's very, very limited. We're simply told they came from, from the east. But there has been speculation that, as I've said in my children's address, it was from around the Iraq, Iran um, area. Now, if, as I said in my children's address, the capital of Iraq is 650 miles from Bethlehem, the capital of Iran is around 1,200 miles, they came along, they came along, long way uh, these these men to visit um, Jesus but here's a question how did they know about these things well obviously we can say God revealed them uh, to them this information about the star was part of the revelation but let's remember this as well you know, in 722 BC, the northern tribe, you know, the land of Israel was divided into the north and the south after the reign of Solomon. Rehoboam reigns in one and Jeroboam in the other. But in 722 BC, the Assyrians uh, take captive the north. In 586, the Babylonians take the south. And on both these occasions, 
people were taken from Israel and relocated and it was a good idea if you were running an empire because one of the problems of running an empire is this you were going to get opposition because an empire is where you invade another country and you take over and it doesn't go down well with the locals and they're going to be gathering together uh, rising against the occupying force and so you want to get rid of as much opposition as you can so get the makers and the shakers in Israel get them out of there and get them relocated and that's what happened on both both occasions but let's remember this they were God's people and not only were they God's people they had God's revelation now they didn't have the amount of revelation that you and I have today the New Testament hasn't been written and as you know his revelation was progressive uh, each book we, we try to date and, and, um, but it was not all given at once it was given over stages of, 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 um, of history but here we have these men I don't think it's beyond the bounds of speculation to suggest that when, for example, people like Daniel and and the others who were captive, they took what they knew with them. They took, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They hung their harps upon the willow trees. You know, it's we we look around ourselves in this day and age that we live in, and sometimes we want to think that everything is so negative, and everything is so chaotic, and everything is in such a burrah. But that's not the way it is with God. That's not the way it is. Is with God. You know, there's somebody worshipping here with us today, and I'm not going to mention any names whatsoever, but I remember when that person came to this church for the first time, and I asked, why did you come along? And the response was, I attended a funeral, and I decided that I would uh, come along. And I asked, whose funeral was it? (laughs) I went home and I checked, and it was five years later. And you know, that's a reminder to us that God in his own good time works out his great works. And maybe it was the case that hundreds and hundreds of years later, they are at Bethlehem. Because the seed was sown. And you know, we can get very, very discouraged sometimes when things don't happen almost instantly. We live in a consumerist society and we want everything now, now, now. But God doesn't always work in that kind of way. And what he wants us to do is to be faithful servants. Spreading out the marvelous message that he has given to the human race but I must move on to my fourth point what did they do well very quickly four things and this is not exhaustive first of all they believed whether God came to them with direct revelation and it looks as if he did with a star and whether it was an amalgamation of ancient truths being spread by captives they believed this God they listened to what they were told and of course they had the same kind of options as every one of us we either accept it or we reject it and there's no halfway house there there are no halfway houses between ourselves and God we listen to what God the Lord has to say and to his folk he speaks peace and I just wonder if we know something of that peace today that comes through knowing that we've listened to him as he has revealed his way of peace. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What kind of world? A sinful world. If we have found peace with God, we have found peace as sinners with God. That's, that's the reality of it. They believed, but they also traveled. And... Uh, 
by any stretch of the imagination they travelled a long long way they travelled hundreds of miles they couldn't just jump on an aeroplane and get there within a few hours they couldn't even jump in a car or a bus that's not the stage they are at in the history of the human race they either walk or they come on the back of, of an animal whatever way it was it was an arduous journey but what makes these people who lived so far away and you know maybe maybe we don't really expect people from such a distance to be into this kind of thing what, what is it that makes them that drives them that gives them the ardency they really did believe you know when people believe what God the Lord is to say it's not an intellectual exercise only. It invades their lives and it invades their actions. It can be seen and it can be read. And that's the way it was with, uh, with these wise men. They believed and they travelled. They bought these gifts. They brought the gold, they brought the frankincense, and they brought the myrrh. Now, if we go back to Origen of old, Origen thought that the gold tied up with him being a king because gold is a, an element of kings. And, and we understand where he's coming from in that one. Now, frankincense and myrrh were both... You, you dug into the, to, to the bark of these trees and, and the resin, the sap that came out gave you frankincense and it also gave you myrrh now one of the uses of frankincense was in the worship of the sanctuary when, uh, when, when incense would be burnt and it would be going up symbolizing something pleasing in the eyes of God do you remember when Noah came out of the ark he engaged in sacrificing some of these animals and we are told that his activity was like a pleasing aroma in the, in the presence of God well, in the, in, the, in the worship of the temple and the tabernacle, incense was burned. And it was this whole idea of, of divinity, an engagement in the worship of divinity. Now, myrrh was used for different things. Sometimes it was mingled and used as an anesthetic, and it's thought that there was myrrh in the, in, in, in the anesthetic that Jesus was offered whilst he was on the cross. On, on the, on, on the cross. But um, myrrh was also used as part of the spices that went on a dead body. They, these bodies had spices put, put on them. And, and I don't know whether Origen is right or not in this, in that he ties up the gold with Jesus being a king, the frankincense with him being divine, and the myrrh with him being mortal. Whether that's pushing things too far or not, but at any rate, he is a king. There is no question about that. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of spiritual Jews. And he reigns supreme in heaven today. Is he divine? Absolutely he is divine. Was he mortal? And you see, this is, this is where it all gets so mind-boggling. If you have a king that is divine, and you say, well, he's going to die, you think, wait a minute, how on earth does that fit in? How on earth does that fit in? Well, you know how it fits in. It's the only way the ugliness of your sin and mine can be sorted out if the divine God King actually dies. And that's why we're here today. That is why you and I are here. At least I hope it is. That is why we are here this day. They brought these gifts. And the fourth thing I was going to say is the very thing I started off with. They worshipped. They came to worship. And some people might say, now, now I'm not sure exactly, and nobody can be sure, how old Jesus was when the wise men came to visit him. You know, you have your nativity scenes in the stool, and you've got your... You've got your um, 
you have your angels and you have your shepherds and you have your wise men and I think that's what you call artistic license because I don't think it happened that way it may well have been two years later why did King Herod kill all the boys two years old and uh, under so we don't know exactly when we don't know exactly when it happened but Jesus let's Let's be careful and just say, well, Jesus was an infant. Why on earth would you worship an infant? A human infant. When it's God alone that you're meant to worship. Did these men get it wrong? No, 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 they did not get it wrong. They listened to what God the Lord had to say. They believed what God the Lord had to say. They fell in line with everything God was saying. And they came to worship the God-man. You think, well, what on earth do you need a God-man for? Well, I've already said it. I've already said it. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins you know you may be here today and you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and you may have come into this building rock bottom and you may have come into this building rock bottom for one reason and one reason only you're the reason and your, your attachment with sin is just so prevalent that it depresses the life out of you I mean, what do you make of this kind of statement? I love and loathe sin, and I loathe that I love it. Does that identify with you? Well, that's the way it is with every Christian. That's the way it is with every... The battle continues till we draw our last breath. And yes, it does depress the life out of us from time to time. But it's at moments like these that we have to come to the revelation of God. And we remind ourselves what this whole event of him coming to our planet is about. He never came to save the righteous. He came to save sinners like you and I. That's the truth. And that is the glorious truth. And may we all be willing to worship him like the wise men this day. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord of God, we thank you that you are who you are. And we thank you that you've done what you've done. And we pray that we would listen to you. And we pray that we would trust in you. And we pray that we would worship you day by day. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's conclude by singing to his praise in Psalm number 72 and at verse 17. Psalm 72, his name forever shall endure, last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him and blessed, all nations shall him call. Verses 17 to 19, his name forever shall endure.
Now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forevermore. Amen.